time again for everyone to gather around their favorite uh, internet-based audio source. It is episode 16 of the Development Hell podcast. So how are you doing today, Ed? I'm doing okay. Uh, I probably should have did this earlier. Done should have did this earlier. I should have done this earlier because I'm, now I'm feeling tired, but I tried to jack myself up on dark chocolate. A so. Dark chocolate with sea salt. Yeah, you have me feeling like tomorrow. That stuff's really go- good, dog. You need to get some of that. I will definitely, I will go out tomorrow in my brand new spanking car and go pick some of that up tomorrow. Didn't you buy a, like a super expensive car? Uh, well, yeah, because that's how I roll now. Right. Being Mr. Uh, World famous international speaker and testing guy. I get to roll with a nice set of wheels. <laughs> right. This, uh, it's, more, it's more like I forced it upon my wife and said, shut up, this is what I want this time. So <laughs> This testing so, yeah. book paid for my uh, uh, Dodge Neon. <laughs> I was trying to think of like a cheap car. but uh, Smart car. Chevy Nova. A, U- a Yugo. That's what you know, the smart cars are not nearly as inexpensive as you'd think. You'd look at it and you're like, this is too... Three grand tops. Uh, two or three grand, right? Yeah. No, I, they're, I think, kind of expensive considering. Like, they're essentially a uh, a scooter with a shield wrapped around you. <laughs> right? That's very true. So before we get going, let's thank our wonderful sponsors from Engine Yard. Woo! They sent us more money, and Ed PayPal me some of the money. Woo! Yay, so this is good. Drinks. And uh, um, Engine Yard was at uh, Lone Star PHP, which we're gonna, which I'm going to talk about later. And there's some awesome pictures of me floating around on the internet now of wearing a foam cowboy hat. Oh, that's as, embarrassing. Yeah, oh yeah, it was awesome. So thank you very much, Engine Yard. For those who don't know Engine Yard, Engine Yard is one of the trailblazers and leaders of the uh, in the platform as a service market, uh, and they uh, do wonderful things with our buddies from Orchestra.io, which is their PHP. Uh, as a service platform. So if you're looking to uh, jump onto the platform as a service uh, wagon and, you know, maybe think about what you're doing after the whole Amazon outages on the weekend, uh, just be careful what you're doing. But if you want to do PHP stuff, uh, specific stuff, I can't think of anyone better uh, than to go with uh, Orchestra and the folks at Engineered. Yeah, what you said. Yeah, and Liz told me she actually does uh, listen now, so she knows what she's getting. Oh, that's nice. That's nice of her to to pay any attention to it. All right, so on our last episode, our after-school special, uh, you talked about your uh, your various uh, narcotics that you take and yes. your uh, mental health issues. Mm-hmm. So yeah, right. um, you wanted to talk a little bit about the uh, – just kind of follow-up on what we had talked about. So, oh, yeah. I mean, I think the, the main thing uh, that I wanted to say was that I got a ton of really good feedback um, and good in the sense that, as far as I know, no one at least directly made fun of me, which was nice. Um, and, uh, I mean, that at least was meant it in like a cruel way. Nobody did that. Um, oh, fuck this guy. Sorry. Uh, Bedrush just showed up. Um, uh, so, so that was really good, but, um, not, not, but, um, so I had some folks who kind of, who like, you know, publicly, I guess, you know, on Twitter or something said, you know, really that you're doing good that that it was important that we talk about this i think that was the thing that i kept hearing was that it was important that we talk about this and that people don't talk about it enough and stuff like that um somebody pointed out you know one thing that somebody pointed out to me uh shoot why can't i think of this guy's name it was a guy who founded status net um evan prodmer yeah some french name i don't promo promo domo i forget yeah you're talking about yeah um yeah i think he his, he didn't he make some kind of like task like productivity system 
Promodomo. He might have. <laughs> All right. So, no, anyway. And he looks like, uh, he looks like the, eh, fuck. I'm, I'm obviously out of it because I can't think of the band. He looks like some guy in a band who it's, everybody says that and he'd be mad at me for even saying it. So, Michael, never, Michael Stipe? Oh, God, no. Um, <laughs> No, it's that it's he's that song about like uh, I will buy you a garden way up in the west, something like that, right? Uh, Wow, no, I don't know that one at all. Big big nineties hit. They had some hits. All right, well, whatever. Song about his dad. His dad left him, and then some song. I don't don't know some stuff. Somebody can somebody's gonna say it, but I can't think of it. Anyway, um. But, uh, he, you know, he talked about that, uh, you know, well, it's not just, you know, stuff. Yeah, we need to talk about this stuff. But, you know, some people, they're actually, I mean, and they're, you know, he mentioned some people who uh, who are in the development community, open source community, who have, we've lost from suicide. And, uh, you know, um, I think the most, one that I can think of most recently that I was sort of aware of was one of the developers for I'm probably gonna screw up how you pronounce this diaspora. The, yes. Uh, and yes. And I mean, yeah, I remember he, that. He was just like a 21 year old kid, right? And um, uh, and he had committed suicide, and it was you know, a it, I you know, I look, I don't know anything about the circumstances about you know what that what was going on, so I don't want to speculate about that stuff. Um, but. It's not uncommon. I, I wonder, but I have no evidence to demonstrate that. I wonder if people who do this kind of work and are attracted to this kind of work maybe are also sometimes the same kind of people who have a tendency maybe to suffer from this stuff, personality types and things like that. Um, but it's just, you know, I so we uh kind of talked about like trying to do more like trying to figure out like how to talk more about this stuff and we're still kind of kicking that around i don't have anything to say like i don't have any, some kind of announcement or something like that about it or whatever but i would like to really hear from folks who who have ideas about that like we sort of started like he, he set up a wiki maybe we'll throw some ideas on there or something like that but uh the basic thing is that I want to be able to talk more about this stuff and kind of raise awareness of it. And and I guess one of the big things is I had a lot of people come to me and say, yeah, what you're saying sounds really familiar or what you're saying, that sounds like me, right? And I kind of got the impression that these are folks who, you know, some of them were a lot were like I, but only like two people know about it. I had people talk to me privately. It's like, oh, my wife is the only person who knows anything about this or my girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever. And, and that... Um, that that uh, you know, so I guess one of the things that that you know I wonder about is is trying to talk about this stuff and sort of uh, getting rid of the stigma attached to it, so that it is stuff we can kind of we can we can deal with better. And I kind of feel like if we're sort of more comfortable with it, it becomes less of a a thing we have to hide and a thing we have to be sort of ashamed of. So I'm going to keep trying to do that. And I, you know, as people, if they've got ideas, I really would like to hear them, you know, thoughts about like, what would, what would help them? You know, what, what do they wish there was more of what, you know? So anyway, I, that, that's mainly the follow up at this point. Um, but it's something I really kind of want to keep pushing on and maybe talk about at, you know, if there are some conference things that come up or stuff like that, maybe I'll have an opportunity to do that. So, uh yeah that's basically it but uh, you know it seemed like it was a uh, it was it kind of did what i hoped it would do 
which was get people talking about it and sort of, you know, thinking about those things. Also, man, I haven't checked, but I'm pretty sure it was like by far our most downloaded episode, like by far. That would not surprise me at all if it was. Um, um, yeah, I, haven't yeah, I mean, that, just just getting people to talk about this to realize that it is a problem, and I think more importantly, um, helping people to understand that if they do have a problem, if they are having mental health issues, that they need to get help, and they need to, f- and there are plenty of places they can find. And I think this is the important part: find non-judgmental help, right? Because right? that's really what you want. You want someone who's going to be sympathetic to what you're going through and wants to help you, and is not. Uh, um, you know, tough love is not the way to handle uh, mental health issues. Right. So, and so, and for so many people, that is their solution. Tell people you got to man up, suck it up, don't be a baby. All those sort of labels that uh, people who uh, experience these issues uh, sometimes get uh, thrown at them. So, um, right. so again, if you're listening and you listen to the last one, I, I highly encourage you to, if you find yourself experiencing a lot of the symptoms that Ed uh, talked about, or if you just need someone to talk to about these things, there are plenty of highly trained professionals. Who are who are out there just waiting for you and waiting to help you and again in a non-judgmental <laughs> just waiting for you fashion. right so, just waiting sorry. outside in the car uh, just waiting for you in the parking lot <laughs> with a with a white jacket with arms that are sewn together yeah that type yeah, of thing right. yeah right uh, no, yeah right no, that's, that's only half joking they'll be waiting for you but it's not like, with the straight jacket it's like that I don't know if you ever saw that Saturday Night Live bit where Will Ferrell was like he was this nude model. But he uh, in like an art class, like a drawing class or a painting class, something like that. But he was like really, really vulgar and disgusting. And <laughs> so <laughs> like, I haven't seen that one. I remember he ended. Well, he did. He did this character a couple times. But I remember he ended this one uh, bit where it was like, "I'll be out in the parking lot waiting to give you hepatitis." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds like a Will Ferrell routine right there. Yeah, that's a favorite of my wife's actually. So yeah. I think that says a lot about your wife. But let's move yeah, on. Yes. Well, and, and uh, so the other thing you want to talk about, we were talking about this briefly uh, before we started recording, was that you were using a new tool to put the uh, to put the show together afterwards, and so you were you were going to launch into a rant about the previous tool. And I told you to save it for the podcast. So oh, you're using yeah. this thing now called Reaper to do the audio production. Yeah. So, so Reaper's pretty. Talk cool. a bit about it. Reaper's pretty cool. I think the thing that's neat about it is it's it's you know it's pretty inexpensive. There's a like a commercial license and a and a discounted license. Um, it, you can use the discounted one if you're an individual using personal use, uh, or you are using it for commercial use. Gross revenue doesn't exceed twenty thousand dollars. I had to look at that. Or your educational profit. It's a really powerful multi-track um, uh, digital audio workstation. And what you know, if you don't know anything about that, what that usually means is that it can do multi-track audio where. Uh, well, if you've ever seen video editing stuff, like where you're laying like video tracks down and maybe you're doing mixing between them or things like that or laying them over stuff, it's sort of the same kind of thing. Um, oh, okay. Right, so you're just doing it with audio. Um, so I've been – I've because I used to do a lot more music stuff, I'm pretty familiar with it. The With digital audio workstation stuff, usually what they do is they, bo- they combine both doing audio work, which means playing back – recorded audio or recording audio and then say passing it through effects or doing editing on it splice it cut it up stuff like that but also it'll do control of um via midi or other ways of of instruments so you you can um you know control synthesizers other devices like that with it too right so um 
it can do both like usually what it is is it's doing midi handling stuff for which is just like instructions that you send out to devices and then also like real audio stuff too so um it's a pretty cool little tool and uh the evaluation version is not crippled in any way it is uh but it, it gives you a you know, it just bugs you about it. And I've used, I've used it a couple times pretty good. So 60 bucks is a pretty good deal for it. Um, wow. That's it. Yeah. That sounds like a, a good price. Yeah. Point. Like you could, if you knew what you were doing, you could certainly record, you know, full albums of work with it, with that and some outboard equipment, you could do anything you needed to full, you know, full tracks with vocals, guitar, all that shit. Right. I mean, so oh, you could certainly cool. do it. I, I mean, obviously you need a little bit of outboard equipment, but you can totally do it with this kind of thing. Um, I, I mean, I've used some other things in the past. Like I, I record like cakewalk audio, which was, a, a windows product that, um, then went into, uh, a product called sonar. Um, and, uh, but if you've messed with things like Cubase or logic audio pro, which is now an Apple product, it used to be a separate company, but they bought that several years back. Um, logic might be good if you're on OS X, um, because it, well, now you can buy it through the app store and they discounted it hugely. Like that used to be a several hundred dollar, program and i think it's like it's like a hundred dollars now or 130 right let me i should look that up and see how much logic oh that's i guess all it takes is one high quality tool to knock their prices down and a lot of other um um, vendors feel they need to drop their prices too i guess yeah or they might just go out of business um apple's kind of uh kind of like not exactly screwing them but they dropped their prices dramatically when they moved to like to the app store stuff right like logic pro is is the audio equivalent of like final cut right okay and so it's a it's a logic is a is a professional tool um and they dropped it used to be like a six or seven eight hundred dollar product and they dropped it to now it looks like it's two hundred dollars um, but that's still $200 to $60 is a pretty big difference. You know, logic comes with a bunch of other shit. So if you want to do music stuff, it might be a better thing to ju- start with, but Reaper is a pretty cool tool. So for 60 bucks, I was using this thing called wave Edit, and it was okay, but I just had a lot of, I don't know. It was, a pr- I actually paid for it. Right. You know, it was 80 or 90 bucks, but it was just, I always had hassles with it and I would have, I would run into bugs where it would like not actually save my stuff. And it just, I, it's like, it would take longer to do the production on the podcast than I needed it to. Um, well, not that I needed to, but then I thought it should. Like, and I'm able to do it faster with Reaper. So, all in all, I think it's kind of a win. So, I this is obviously not a programming topic, but I actually think Reaper's pretty cool. So hey, hey, it's that. our show, and we can talk about we'll whatever, whatever we want. And Reaper, is, it, you can get it for Mac or Windows. So, if you're on either one of those, it works fine. I don't think it will work on Linux, but I think it's, yeah, it's Mac and Windows product. Uh, but yeah, yeah, but who, I mean, but really, do you expect to be able to do serious audio editing work on Linux? That seems like you're kind of uh, asking for a humongous fight and struggle. Well, you're asking for a fight with the same kinds of dudes who tell you that the GIMP is just as good as anything else. Um, like, you'll say, well, you can't, I mean, you can't do serious work. And then I say, the GIMP. Well, there's like some tools. There are some tools for Linux for doing audio work, but realistically, no. You really, like, the tools are much better on Windows and Mac. Um, 
they're about equivalent. It used to be the case that like everybody did everything on 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 Mac, but it's really not that way now. There's tons of good stuff for Windows. All right, uh, so that's Reaper. So the next topic uh, is uh, that was awesome. web. Uh, uh, you've been playing around with a, a little web-based uh, IDE called Cloud Nine. And before you talk about that, I wanted to talk about my own actual recent experimentations with different editors. Oh yeah. Um, I know I'm probably going to be uh, um, shot in a drive-by for this, but I've actually started moving away from this as my normal editor, and I've been using Sublime Text 2 at the recommendations of Git expert extraordinaire Travis Swicegood. I've so been telling you to use I've that been playing with it using what they call vintage mode, which lets you move around inside Sublime Text 2 with uh, the uh, Vim uh, keystrokes that I'm used to. And um, i got to say, I'm, I'm liking it. It feels smooth and responsive, and um, I'm still using Vim. Uh, for four things, but I'd say I'm probably doing 80% Sublime Text and 20% Vim. The main thing I'm using Vim these days for is quick little edits on the servers at work and for my um, test reviews at Kaplan. Um, I use Vim with a plugin that lets me do directory diffs so that I can compare. So I'll check out code. I'll check out because we have to do comparisons against our default branch and then the branch that people have been doing work in. So I have to have two separate checkouts of the code, and then I use Vim to bring them together and do a comparison so I can see what's changed. It'll do the, it does, just does a diff, but a directory-based diff, so I can see all the files that have changed, and I can pass silent judgment on people's shitty coding style and yell at them when their tests don't look right. Yes. I think but yeah, I'm liking Sublime Text, too. I'm liking it. I told you to use that well before you listened to Travis about that. Well, I just been trying. I just been uh, kind of lurking, watching how uh, other people have been using it to get an idea of the most common plugins and stuff right. that people are using, just to get a feel for it. And uh, and now that it's gone public with 2.0, um, I feel. Uh, confident enough to try to use it in a very serious way yeah like i wonder what the future will be like if it'll end up like TextMate, which kind of likes kind of like d- development on the main product basically stagnated um but it sort of has I, I, the potential for that because it's all done by one guy right like yeah. there's one guy who does it and i i don't really understand how he can develop for three different platforms and just be that dude like one guy doing it but um right now it's really awesome because there's tons of people working on it i think it's a really good tool i guess for me i feel like it's kind of an extension uh i mean it's not too dissimilar from what textmate has been like it's sort of like if textmate continued adding new core features to it you know and still have that really strong plug-in system um, for doing add-ons and junk like that, and maybe even a better one. I, you know, that's a, that's a, I guess up for discussion. But uh, yeah, yeah, it, it's uh, it's really cool. I really, I really like it. We use uh, it a ton. So. so I'll say one more thing, and then we'll let you talk about Cloud Nine. I was just what I'm hoping for. I think what how helps Sublime Text too to sort of be able to keep going and keep the momentum and not become. Uh, the Duke Nukem Forever uh, text editor like TextMate became yeah. is keep the core tiny and figure out ways for people to do all their extensions and improvements through plugins. And that would mean that the core guy wouldn't have to worry about it too much and everyone could just go nuts doing plugins. So right. en- enough about how I'm starting to like Sublime Text too. So let's talk about Cloud9. So Cloud9 is kind of cool. Like, I guess for a while I've sort of followed web-based editing but i'll tell you i've never been happy with it ever um because i think that 
it, there's always something that goes wrong where you run into so- something that a browser does that is not what you'd want it to do if it was a text editor, you know, because it's a browser, not a text editor. And like, it's like some keystroke, like a keystroke that you're used to using to do something in text, like is overridden and like goes, like goes back in your history instead of like jumping to the beginning of the line or something like that. Right. You know, and that's always kind of a hassle, but, uh, and so I, I messed around some different things like before, like there was actually a pretty good product that like all the rest of the stuff that was really at web OS that HP eventually, you know, just basically shit the bed and didn't do anything with, but, uh, they had a really cool cloud-based IDE, um, for web OS that it was actually pretty cool. It like used a little Java applet. And I know you've all turned off your radios after hearing that, but <laughs> it, it it would actually it could run a debugger, um, and like so you'd run it in your browser, and then it would uh, and you'd be you'd be editing code and uh, like say out of a Git repo, but it could actually install and do step debugging on your device like through like oh, nice. Java interface, right? So presumably it interfaced with the SDK tools that you installed locally, right? But it was pretty cool, right? And it had some ability to do visual layouts and stuff like that. So it was called Ares, A-R-E-S. And that was pretty cool. Um, so I should probably put that in the notes. But uh, I, yeah, Ares was actually pretty interesting. I never actually ended up doing real editing in Aries because I always felt like it was just too much of a pain to do the typing. Like it was never fast enough and it was never like, it was always kind of clunky to do real editing in it, but it was, you know, okay. And I, I did use the debugger a lot because it was the best debugger for WebOS apps by far. Like you could actually do real step debugging in it and that it was the best product for that. Right. And it was free. That was pretty cool too. Um, so cloud nine is sort of like, I'm not sure if it's, if, if it's in any way related to, there's been a bunch of different projects like best spin and other things. Yeah. That's the one I was going to mention. I was going to say, I wonder if it's an outgrowth, if it's like a natural progression from, uh, from best spin. Cause that's probably the one that most people, if they've been, if they know anything about web-based IDs are probably have heard of best spin. Right. So, um, Bespin like was kind of cool. Uh, I am not. I'm sort of not 100 percent clear about like how they're related. Whether this was completely developed in house or not. Um, but uh, th- so cloud. So I've sort of followed it, and I messed with Cloud Nine like a while back, like a year ago, and it was okay. Like it, you could do some editing, and it has some integration. Like you can integrate with GitHub. And so that, it, or Bitbucket, which I, I think I have a Bitbucket account, but I haven't really used it. But for GitHub, um, I, I did actually, uh, you can integrate with it so you can, you can hook into your GitHub repos and, uh, like, make, you know, clone your repository and, and do editing and then push stuff back and things like that. I think that's one of the things, so I, 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 I sort of mess with it today. Because I was think I've been thinking about pair programming. The reason why I, I messed with say thinking about pair programming was they just I guess they just released some new updates to it that added some stuff like and one of the big things is like real time collaborative editing. Oh, okay, cool. So that's pretty cool, right? Like, um, 
So you could like, if it's a public project, you could just invite anybody, as many people as you want to, to it, and you can assi- say like, oh, this person, they have to have an account at least, so they have to actually sign up. But there's a base free account, right? And uh, if they have an account, it, um, they can actually edit stuff. Like you can give them right access. Uh, if they don't have an account, you can just look at what's going on, but you can't actually edit anything, right? So. The thing, so that gets kind of interesting because I've been thinking about pair programming and, and remote stuff. Um, uh, I'm not a good enough Vim user, so that like using Vim and Screen or something like that wasn't really a great option for me. But uh, but this looked like it might be kind of cool. Um, but I was pretty impressed with it. Like you can um, now. The only thing I messed around with was doing Node on it, but you can actually do you can run it as like a develop you can run like a development server and not just on node but it i think you can do i'm going to bring this up because i actually have a project in here and uh let's see here start editing right and uh i think you can pick it and say like oh i want to have a i want to run this as a python like a like a bunch of different uh, things like I want to run this as a Python project. Yeah, run and debug. So the runtimes are Node.js, Apache, and PHP, PHP CLI, Python, or Ruby, right? Man, that's pretty so, good variety. Yeah, so it's not something you do your hosting on, but it's it is like a legitimate development server. And I actually got a not entirely trivial application working on it, like a uh, with a Node backend, a real simple Node backend, but then a um, a uh, backbone.js, you know, front end thing, and it actually runs. All right, right? That, sounds, that sounds kind of cool. Right, and um, it's got a console, and I was actually, I was able to like run npm commands to install stuff, and you can do, but you can do other stuff too. It's it's pretty sophisticated, really. Um, there's uh, the editor is pretty strong. Um, you can do some multiple selection stuff. Uh, there's uh oh there's a, look there's a vim mode right um you can do different like color modes which is something that if you mess with sublime you had me at vim mode yeah i know right that's all i have to say <laughs> that sounds good it reminds me it makes me uh wish that maybe sub etha edit was still uh alive and kicking right i i, I kind of sort of think it is i mean it's around but i don't know how it's being heavily it's being developed right i sort of looked at it a little bit in reference to the, you know thinking about doing pair programming but it looked like it was going to be hard um uh, but it's pretty cool. Like I was able to make, I was actually able to make some changes to a project at work as one that's uh, a public Git repo, but with some changes and was able to push it up, you know, all from the cloud nine editor. So there's some things that I wish were there. Like I've really fallen in love with in sublime text too, with split, um, like split editing where basically I always split it. So I've got two side by side. Um, files usually, so then I can see two files at once, which I really like that a lot. And it doesn't do that, which would be nice. Um, I, I, it does have some capability of doing like offline work. So if you're not online, I, I think it can do some kind of syncing stuff. I don't know 100% how it works, but um, supposedly, at least in Node, it, you can even do like debugging stuff, like stepping through things. Uh, not. I'm not sure. I didn't get that working, but anyway, I guess the point is it was worth some. It, you know, it was worth looking into. Um, I wouldn't use it as my main editor just because I really like Sublime Text and I'm really comfortable with that. 
and I I would feel that editor wise, it was I was I was losing a fair bit of stuff. But there's some pretty cool stuff for code hinting and syntax highlighting stuff like that. It's pretty impressive for a web based tool. Um, for something running on the browser, I they have really done a pretty impressive job. So I could reasonably see somebody being pretty productive with this. Like I think they could do all their work in this if they wanted to. I think. Oh, I, that's a bold right? statement, Ed. Yeah, I think I could work. I think I can work faster in Sublime Text, but a lot of that has to do with me being used to it, right? So, I, you know, there's not necessarily a huge win out of it. I suspect what we'll end up probably doing is if we do use this, um, we'll do like like pair programming stuff, like on an like on an occasional basis via this tool. Um, but uh, so we wouldn't use it like all the time. But you could you could reasonably do real production like professional work with this thing and so yeah i'm pretty impressed with it um so yeah i think it's worth checking out there's a free thing and then there's like a pay for that has you know a certain number of private stuff um and you can you know set up with unlimited collaborators or whatever so it's a pretty cool tool so you know especially for folks who are doing remote work i think the collaboration stuff is really like that stuff really ends up being kind of a killer feature. So I think it's it's definitely reasonable if you're doing like if you're working with a remote team, it would be definitely be worth looking into, I think. That's cool. Yep. As as things keep going, these uh uh it seems that the goal of a editor in the cloud becomes oh, I have to have a drink every time I say cloud. Um right, yeah. uh, becomes more and more possible. Yeah, like the funny thing is I mean at the end of the day I sort of I'm like well, you know, this would be great if it just wasn't in the browser. Like, because I sort of am, I think to myself, uh, I, I get, there's some advantages to it being in the browser because I bet it's 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 really accessible in a lot of ways. Like, right? Like, I could go to, like, if I didn't have my laptop with me I, and I was just at some shanky hotel, I could get on to, like, one of their machines there and log in. And if they maybe had a, I, you know what? I'm not sure if they support Internet Explorer, like which versions they support. So I'd have to look at that. But if I could get a semi-reasonable browser on that machine, I could actually do work and have everything there in the browser. So that's like I guess the big advantage, right? Like the disadvantage is kind of like stuff. It's sometimes I just feel like it's a little like a little easier to screw stuff up. Like in the browser, like you accidentally close it, and then oh shit, I lost my work, and may- you know maybe you do and maybe you don't. I, they seem like they've done a pretty decent job with keeping everything there. So, I think, I think it's really worth checking out. I was I was very impressed with this tool, and I, I think the pricing is not unreasonable for for uh, you know even for the pay for stuff. So I, oh, that yeah. sounds cool, man. Right. So yeah. So, all right, yeah, so Cloud9, check it out. Uh, we'll have it in the show notes, uh, how you can get it. We also, I did manage to find the URL for uh, Subitha Edit. Uh, so good news, the site is still there. Bad news, their last blog post is from June of 2011. So right. take that uh, whatever way that you want. I remember using it. I remember thinking it was an awesome tool for actually doing collaborative um, programming because I do remember using it way back when, 2000 and got to be 2004 2005 right period that's been around a long time bro that's sure has power PC days. all right so now let me talk about the editors and actually we're doing pretty good for time so we may be able to get more done than we thought so now right. we can talk about lone star php 2012 
Right. Um, so yeah, I was. So I went there. I was. Uh, I was making up some of their Canadian uh, content along with uh, Joel Perra, as I found out his last name is correctly pronounced. Uh, so uh, Lone Star PHP was uh, this past uh, Friday and Saturday down in Addison, Texas, which is uh, near. Uh, is in Dallas, Texas, and not too far from the airport, if I remember correctly. Although they just drove around on all our highways on the way there. Right. Uh, so I gave two talks. I did a talk on uh, building testable applications, and that one went really well, complete with an impromptu uh, standing ovation because I talked about uh, I talked about testing in terms of like time and dedication. I tried to relate it to my astounding weight loss and saying I never thought I could get the weight loss thing going but again it was just time and dedication and people stood up and clapped which and i said in true fashion I'm like oh it's no big deal i just have to ignore my wife yelling at me that the diet's going to kill me so right. um so and both talks went really well and i would say for like what is it's not really a regional conference it's getting to be a little bit bigger than a regional conference there was a hell of a lineup right uh, a lot a yeah. lot of the uh, uh what i would call heavy hitters in the php world uh, came out to the conference. The heavy hitters. Well, yeah, like recognizable names. Yeah, right. Yeah, so I mean, uh, I mean, I was there, and um, Joel, uh, Paul Jones gave a keynote. Cal Evans gave a keynote. Uh, Davy Shafiq was there. Liz Marie Smith. Um, if you looked at the schedule, there are like a lot of people. Uh, Keith Casey was there. A lot of names, you know, that uh, people who follow the PHP community a little bit. Uh, um, Derek Rethens was there talking about some of the cool shit he's been doing with open, uh, with open the open map stuff, which is really, really I find it really, really interesting. Oh yeah, he's um, been so yeah, that like role. for a, for a, what you could consider the second edition of a regional conference, uh, I had a hell of a good time. Right. So and you, you were also there, and I was there, and I was there. But that you know, anytime the stars are there, they got to throw me into there just to remind people. Yeah, right. Uh, right. The high caliber of people that they've got there. Well, there's a a curve. You're great on the curve. Somebody. (laughs) That's that's right. I know I'm at the low end. Or the high end of the curve, depending on who you talk to. But um, I was very happy to be there, and uh, the talk went really, really well. They even, like, one of the. It was kind of weird how they had stuff. They had, like, one really big room and then one smaller room. So the one really big room, you were, like, on a raised platform, and they had, like, two big ass uh, screens where things were being projected. So I didn't get to do my. Uh, I didn't get to do my full 22nd uh, century presentation technique, but I did just bring the iPad with me. So I ran the presentate my presentation off the iPad with uh, Keynote, right? Uh, with the Keynote remote, and uh, just to avoid the inevitable uh, crappy conference Wi-Fi, uh, there's actually a way to get the phone and the iPad talking to each other via Bluetooth, and I could run the presentation that way. So oh, it yeah. seemed to be uh, a lot more reliable, and I got tons of really good feedback. Uh, through joined in and people enjoyed my um, my unique uh, presentation style. Unique, yeah, that's one way. Unique, sort of. yeah. I'm thinking though, next time I give that uh, testable talk, I'm gonna find myself a rainbow clown wig and wear that. That is an excellent idea. Yes, I think I'm gonna do that the next time I give that talk. Although I don't know if I'm gonna do that at the Swedish talk. That seems to be a little bit disrespectful of a conference like that when I'm so, in Sweden in November. So but Sweden. I think if I do it again at a PHP one, I'm going to do that. I think it'll be interesting to see it, like the join-in ratings there, because I've heard that in America, like just everybody, like just everybody gives you five stars, right? Like they tend to rate they high. Did, uh, there were lots of fives and a few fours. So, uh, so on the one hand, it's nice for the ego to get the nice high ratings, but it's kind of like I really wish that if you didn't like the talk, you would tell me and tell me what it was you didn't like about it. Because the whole goal for the feedback is 
is not to tell us that we're awesome because really we know that already. But yes. what we want to know is what they didn't like about the presentation. If there were topics that they were expecting to see covered. For example, one person gave me a four, but they talked about they thought that my uh, infrastructure debt talk that was going to be more about hardware and networking and stuff. So they were kind of like, oh, that wasn't what I expected. I enjoyed the talk, but I was expecting it to be something different. So that makes me wonder if if the infrastructure debt label is not correct and I intend and I need to find like a better a better description of, of the thing that I'm talking about. So Right. Yeah. Um, well so I've kinda heard I heard somebody maybe it was Lorna Lorna Jane. Yeah yep. Lorna Jane said this. Um maybe it was about maybe it was about DPCon, the Dutch PHP conference. Right. Um where I uh, they talk about like that the ratings that, that you get like like um that like the average rating for a talk uh, for like all the US stuff is like 4 and the average rating at at like at the Dutch PHP conference was like a 2 or a 3. Huh, interesting. And so it you know it was more like that they tend to just rate like lower, you know. Like they kind of think, "Well, you were okay, you're a 3," right? And uh so I think I want you basically. I want you to gird your loins when you go over there. <laughs> well, I mean, I, uh, well, I look at it this way for the for that conference I'm going to in Sweden. I'm the only person there who's going to be talking about PHP. So I'm already uh, uh, to use the, a good baseball metaphor. I got two strikes on me, and the ball's coming in, and I haven't decided whether I'm going to swing or not yet. So right. Um, so yeah. So I'm ready. I'm ready for. I'm ready for that. I mean, to be perfectly honest, I don't mind getting bad ratings. It's like I don't mind it. I just want to know what it is that you didn't like. If you didn't like it, right. I'd like to know why. Because if I do that particular topic again i would like to know um how i can make it better and more interesting for people in the crowd yeah i uh for me i usually feel like i can kind of tell like when a talk doesn't go well sort of um like uh, i gave two talks at at php tech I'm, I'm not sure if it's php tech anymore or just tech uh but um i like one i thought went really well and then uh the other one I felt like went way worse and I got like the ratings didn't necessarily reflect that they were like slightly lower for the other one, but I could tell that I was sort of talking like I didn't do enough, like, like to make this an intro, like the, the, the material was a little too advanced and, uh, I wasn't really happy with how it turned out. And, uh, I don't know. So I think we can, I think when you're a speaker, you can kind of tell how it goes, but I don't know. Maybe it's just me. I'll shut up. I don't know. I don't no, no, hey, no. So, I, I, I agree that usually you can tell um, if the talk went well. I mean, I feel right. the same way. When I the first time I gave my building testable apps talk uh, at a conference um, was when I did it at CodeMash, and that one was like, yeah, I felt that that the you know that the group was the audience wasn't quite into it, and that made me realize that I was just blasting too much info right. out at them. And for my talk when I did it this time at Lone Star, I basically got rid of about half material yeah i tried to concentrate on more um higher level stuff but again when you're talking about when anytime you do a talk where you're talking about technology and specific uses of the technology it's i find it extremely hard to give people any kind of um detailed info in just you know an hours of talking just thing i mean building testable apps that could easily be like a six hour uh tutorial uh session at a conference easily be that yeah, I totally understand. Um, 
So yeah, so hey, I was I was wondering what you, what was your kind of vibe about like Lone Star as kind of a community thing because you know there's sort of been a like I I I I really wanted to go because I felt like maybe that I was kind of getting a thing like the vibe might have been a little bit like the PHP Community Conference in Nashville last year, and I was wondering kind of what you thought of it sort of in terms of that. Did it feel like a like like a did it feel like a little all for one? conference um yeah there were i would say that there was like a a really uh, good community feel to it because the thing about it is that the sponsors weren't uh weren't up in your face all the time like it was more like we're here to hang out with all our friends and we're here because we're all members of the php community and a lot of the uh, you know um cows uh, opening keynote really did a good job of putting that in perspective the the whole uh we're not normal thing that he did when he was at tech so yeah it, it it did have that feel to me of the of the php community conference very very similar i mean a lot of people asked me uh if you were coming or not and, and i just said i just said you know how ed is and uh you know too stressed out to fly and other stuff too. So, um, but I said I also told some people I was pretty sure that you because I, I remember you told me before you had a family thing to go to. Oh yeah, I so, so I couldn't have even gone because I well, I I was like triple booked for this, so I had to cancel two things no matter what. Because the family thing was like the thing I ended up having to do, and right. I, I was glad I was able to do it. But I, I wasn't like a huge burden. But there was the, also open source bridge or something. Yeah, too, and I I had bought yeah I was bought the week my before? yeah I bought my ticket like ten months ago for that right. So I I, I would have had you know I was going to go to open source bridge if I didn't have something else because they were they were happening with like I think they crossed over right so yeah um i really yeah i really would have loved to uh to go to lone star though it looked like a really cool conference run by cool people so uh yeah no it definitely had that it definitely had that sort of uh community vibe to it i think especially because like you had the two big rooms and uh and then and then the, you know the the hallway track was kind of interesting but for the most part people kind of stuck in stuck uh in the session rooms, there wasn't a lot of people leaving because really the conference wasn't near the hotel where most of the speakers or guests were staying. Oh, so, right? so it wasn't like you could just, Oh, I'm just going to go back to my room and kind of hang out. Things like you're at the conference and it would require a commitment to walk outside in the hundred degree heat. Oh. Uh, if you're going to go uh, back to the hotel, I did that a couple of times uh, to go get stuff at the hotel and, and uh, I didn't melt into a, a puddle of uh, Canadian grumpiness. So it worked out. Okay. I get like, um, like tired, but, man. At these, like these things. Well, especially after I speak, I'm usually like really drained. But um, man, people are going to all these talks and stuff, and I'm, I just get tired, man. I want to go lie down, right? I got to take a nap in the middle of the day. Yeah, I every during each day I did um, I did skip one session on each day to just kind of just chill on a couch. Uh, and just relax Pass and not out. worry about uh, worry about either going to hear someone talk or worry about my uh, my presentations. So I, I uh, so I, I think you would have had a good time there. It was it was very low key and and the guys they did a they did a really good job of running it. Everything went smooth. There were no problems, which That's is awesome. all you can really ask for. I think as I an organizer, as I start organizing um, uh, True North PHP, which is the conference that I'm doing at the beginning of November, I'm hoping things go as smooth as uh, as Lone Star PHP went. True North, huh? Is that like is that an alternate to Magnetic North PHP? 
<laughs> I never thought of that. No, True North. True North Strong and Free from the Canadian National Anthem. We don't know that. Yeah, I, I know. you. That is not relevant. Yeah. And, oh, yeah, and like Sean, because my coworker Sean is in the chat. He mentioned the food was amazing. It was. So, barbecue on the one day. Um, barbecue for lunch one day. Tex-Mex for lunch on the second day. Plus... Yeah. Um, Plus lots of little nibbles and snacks for the after party. The after party was awesome. Tons of booze uh, and on uh, <laughs> Friday. Um, got to hang out and watch people make fools of themselves on Rock Band. And I uh, played a game that you might be familiar with, uh, Cornhole. Uh, with yeah, Cornhole is a big... And, no, not, and yeah. not the Cornhole that you're thinking of, Ed. No, it, well, there's two kinds of Cornhole down here. But the one we're talking about... Is basically like a beanbag game, right? That's the one. Which is yeah, still, where, uh, again, where not... I played a ton with uh, Garrett uh, Woodworth from yeah. uh, good old Jiwoo, who's at Engine Yard and who right. I worked with many, many years ago uh, when Cake Development Corporation, which is kind of the consulting company that the one of the creators of Cake runs when it first started up. And right. we formed an unstoppable team, and we were undefeated in 10 matches, he and I. So which, I should uh, clarify. It was impressive. I should clarify. It's not the beanbag game you're thinking of, not that game. But yeah. No, I mean a game where you toss a fabric bag filled with beads or beads. Yes, and into, yes at a long board that has a big hole in it. Into a wooden, get, get it into a wooden board yep. usually that has a hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, right. So that, that kind of bean bag is what I'm talking about. And um, yeah, so people play – it's the funny thing is, you know, I lived in – northern northern indiana for several years and then i moved down here to lafayette which is like sort of central northern and um uh, i only really became aware of cornhole when i moved down here so i i don't know if it's like more of a college indiana thing or more of a like because i was from south bend which is very different than really the rest of indiana like as soon as you leave the southern like if you drive south of south and south bend and as soon as you leave the city limits suddenly the accent changes right is it really that's jarring it's it's weird yeah it really kind of is um so south bend is sort of more like northern than the rest of the state but south bend is like right on the border right right on the northern border uh so um yeah anyway the point is which is funny because it's called south bend but um yeah, northern India. Uh, so anyway, the point is that I never really was aware of cornhole until I came down here. At least that game uh, that's called cornhole. Uh, and uh, yeah, so I, I actually didn't even know that you guys would know what cornhole is, right? Yeah, bro, I had a good time. In fact, I, I, I enjoyed it so much that I thought when uh, when I made it back here to Kanakistan, I looked online and I found some plans on how to build one of those cornhole boards. So my old man is Mr. Fixit. He has a ridiculous oh, yeah. number of woodworking tools at his house. So I think uh, that's going to be a little summer project uh, that I'm going to work on with the old man, and we're going to make one of these things. And I'm, I, I said to my wife, when we paint it, I'm going to do a uh, stylized drawing of uh, Grumpy Dwarf to put onto the uh, onto the cornhole oh, board. That's a good idea. Are you going to hook up like an Arduino thing or something to it? Arduino, that would be kind of cool to do. Um, I think I'll just concentrate on getting the thing working first. I don't know what you do with it. that. Maybe like some kind of scoring system. Like if it goes through the hole, it... I don't know. It like uses a. It sends a signal and like put you know posts something to a REST interface, and hopefully a true REST interface at that. Yes, it has to be <laughs> to spec, right? So, so on the top of Lone Star PHP, uh, Ed and I were just doing. Believe it or not, people, we actually do kind of plan what we're talking about before we go on. Sort so of. the thing I want to talk about is that we did do a podcast where we talked about why we thought people should attend conferences. 
Oh, yeah. And so instead, I want to talk a little bit about what speakers get out of conferences. So we do, I mean, I go to these things, okay, number one, it is nice to be recognized for work that you've done for the community. That's a, that's one good reason, and one good thing that speakers get back in terms of feedback, right? Mm-hmm. And so uh, another thing is it's nice that, that someone else is willing to pay for um, a hotel and to fly you down there. But the reason I go is um, is because... I want to give feedback um, to my peers, and also I want to find out from the more senior and experienced members of my community about whether the stuff I'm doing um, resonates. Is it like, is this a topic we should be concerned about? Am I way, by t- for example, talking about all this testing stuff, am I way out in the weeds? Because, I mean, I do find that uh, a, a disproportionate number of the high-end, what I would call high-end experienced developers, do think a lot about testing, even though many of them may actually not be doing any kind of testing themselves, but at least they're cognizant of that it's a good idea. Right. So I go to these things to, to I go to these things more to get feedback from other people in the community to say that I've been talking and promoting these ideas. So I want to hear. I mean, I have to tell people this all the time. I absolutely want to hear your questions. I absolutely want you to come up to me after a talk and say, "Hey, Chris, I loved your talk." Here's the thing I've been thinking about. I would love I love to help people out by saying, yes, yes, I can help you with this, or no, I can't, but I know someone who can, and try to hook them up with somebody else. Right. So, I mean, the reason I, I mean, the reason I think as a speaker to go is to get your ideas out there and then to get that feedback to make sure that you're on the right track, that these things that you're promoting and wanting to talk about, you're able to push them along and get those ideas in front of other people. Yeah, right. Um so I definitely dig all those aspects of it, and I, uh, you know, particularly the things where getting to like talk to people who are super smart, and uh, you know, and especially I think maybe because um, you know I'm in a smaller community that doesn't uh, it hasn't had like a there's not like a big say PHP user group or anything like that, but we're trying to do some stuff kind of here locally about at least meeting about open source stuff and. And doing stuff like that. So, but it's definitely an opportunity to meet with folks who I normally wouldn't see, right? Um, you know, I don't live in San Francisco or something like that. And don't or, or you know other sort of uh, meccas of uh, tech awesomeness. Um, but so it's it's you get to you know hang out with a bunch of people and talk to them about topics that you know normally they would not be nearly as accessible to you. For me, like I think I I really value as a speaker for me i guess the um the act of giving those presentations the speaking is like a is really a key um it's it's part of this like uh interaction thing that you that i that i really like in open source and then i right the thing that i really value about it is uh check off uh is that uh is that I should, uh, knowledge sharing. That's what I was trying to spit out. Is like is in, a, in a, it being a collaborative process, and that collaborative process of, of sharing knowledge openly. And so I think that doing that presentation stuff for me, when it works, when I feel like people have come away with it and have a better understanding of stuff, and they actually got something out of what I was say, was talking about, that is like that's just the greatest thing in the world to me. And I really, really value that. And so for me, it's sort of like an essential part of this knowledge sharing. It's like a great, like, expression is the right word, but it's like, it's a really great way of doing that. And that, you know, so 
whether it's a group of like if there's only four or five people listening to me or a bigger group like a hundred or whatever i really really like just going in there and i i really feel good when i can i can go in and i i feel like i was able to share some of that knowledge right and that's really awesome and uh, so for me that's what i really like getting out of like this the speaking process right and and uh so i think that you end up doing that stuff you know you can do that stuff on a much smaller level and you can you know and you know if you want if you're like oh i wish i could speak you know this stuff i think you can do that stuff on a much smaller level by just finding small groups of people who you're sort of interested in the same topics and just sitting down and doing a little presentation like even if it's like five freaking people you know you can still do that um we're sort of trying to do a little bit of that here in town with like doing this open source stuff. And I'm kind of hoping that we'll be able to move in that direction and like start doing, you know, have people just talk about stuff they're working on. Right. And sort of do like little presentation things and stuff like that. And I, so I think that's really part, like I said, that part of that knowledge sharing. And I just really, really dig that and really uh, value that. And I, I, so that for me, that's what I really get about it. That's really, I really like going and speaking is, is it, when when I'm able to sort of connect and feel like people gotten something out of it, that's like it reminds me of well, okay, this is why I did this. This is because that's just really awesome. So yeah, I'm done now. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome, dude. No, I think so. It's just cool yeah, story, like Sean bro. said, anyone uh, and Sean Farrell knows us having organized the DC. Uh, PHP users group for a number of years. Um, so yeah, I mean, he's right. Anyone can speak. You just have to be passionate on a topic. And I think I tweet about this, like when you have knowledge and you're passionate, it really comes out uh, when you do the presentation. You can really, you can really tell when people are enthusiastic um, uh, about the things that they're talking about. I mean, I've seen, I have seen some people uh, in at the conferences I've been to who, who looked literally like they were just mailing it in that they're, yeah. that, they didn't really want to be there. They weren't enthusiastic about the topic um, that they were going on and on about. So, um, you know, to me, it's always – I can always tell when the person who's giving the talk is really into it and really enthusiastic. So, yeah. I, you know, of course, then, you know, some speakers just suck too. But uh, that was a joke. I was – I'll just shut up. It's not work. I'm not on my game, dude. I'm um, bring, but, I'm yeah, my so, I mean uh, – so yeah, the, the the bonuses of speaking also it, it, speaking is also a way to kind of get introduced to people who are passionate to, about stuff the same way that you are because if the most of the people who are speaking they want to get that stuff across too. So, right. Um, and yeah, lightning talks is a is is a good idea too. But sometimes the challenge is just to find something that you can crank out in under five minutes. I remember I did a talk about. Uh, continuous integration and the benefits of it that I did at ZenCon last year, uh, and that was a challenge to pull off in a lightning talk setting. It's tough. I, uh, you know, but the I think the thing that got me to be able to start t- speaking on at like these conferences was doing a lightning. I was at OzCon as an, just as an attendee, and I went to a lightning talk session, and I somehow. Uh, uh, as I, I the phrase I said before, girded my loins and got up there and gave a five minute talk about that thing I did PHP sec info and I people seemed to like it and uh, like I think I had proposed to go to a like a, I had sent in a couple 
speaking things before that and didn't get accepted. And after that, I started to. So I think it's just getting out there and taking the advantages when you can. And, and uh, you know, it, it ended up being a cool thing. So, yeah. All right. So how are we doing for time, Ed? You, uh, you still coherent or you want to cut it off here? Uh, let's see here. Um, hey, this might be, it might kind of be a good place to stop. Um, we could talk maybe. All right, well, gives, well, we definitely know. have some stuff to talk about, uh, for the next, uh, next time. So, um, yeah, so I got, guess, yeah, we can start winding up. So everybody who, uh, showed up in the IRC channel, thank you so much for your yeah. questions and your comments. Um, you know, it was nice that we also could do the live streaming. So thanks again to the awesome folks at wonder network, um, Paul Reinheimer and his lackey. What was his lackey's name again? Will. Will. That's it. Yeah. Um, who did stuff. Paul's actually moving to the, uh, Toronto area at yeah, that's uh, terrible. sometime in August. Why is he doing that? Uh, I don't know. He's relocating. I'm not sure why. I know that he's spending July working at a kid's summer camp, and then while he's gone, he tweeted that ninjas will be moving his stuff to Toronto. So um, so I'm hoping to get him to come out to some of the uh, the, the Toronto PHP uh, meetings that I help run there. So that would be cool. So, uh, thing- so let's thank our wonderful sponsors from Engineered. Yeah, Woo-hoo! Engineered. We took your money, and we did something good with it this time. Right. Um, and so if you're always – Engine Yard is one of the trailblazers of Platform as a Service. If you're into PHP, check out their orchestra.io offering, which lets you run PHP stuff in the cloud. Wow. Uh, and we love the guys who work at Orchestra and Engine Yard. Jiwoo and Elizabeth Naramore is there and Davy Shafiq, and they're just cranking out some really interesting stuff. There's all those So uh, this too. has been episode number 16. Of the 16. Dev Hell podcast. You can find us online at devhell.info. You can find us on Twitter at dev underscore hell. Yeah. Um, as always, check out our podcast in iTunes. Please, please, please rate us if you listen to us via iTunes. We'd love to know what you think and how we can make the show better. You can yes. find Ed and I on Twitter. You can find me, I'm Grumpy Programmer without the U. You can find Ed as fucking Tron. Funk- <laughs> <laughs> I fucked it up. Funkatron with a U. Uh, as always, we welcome your questions, your feedback, your complaints, and other all sorts of other shit we'll ignore. Uh, guys, have yourself an awesome Fourth of July. Thanks. We're uh, you know we can't blow anything up here in Indiana. Well, at least in our part because we have a drought. No f- fireworks are banned. And here I thought America was uh, home of the free. I know we might have to start that eighteen war eighteen twelve again, and maybe uh, <laughs> you're gonna come up and make Canada just so you can do some fireworks. That yeah, would be awesome. Get our ass kicked back across the border. Yeah. All right. Anyway, have a good night, guys. Thanks for coming. In. All right. See you, everybody.